From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Mary Peltola has prevailed in the special election to fill the remainder of the late Don Young's seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Peltola appears to have beaten out Sarah Palin after votes for Nick Baggage were added to Peltola's original total of just more than 75,700 primary votes. Peltola totaled more than 90,000 votes in all. If certified, Peltola will serve until the next general election, which is set for November. After the results were announced, Peltola spoke with News of the North. She said she was grateful for the voters that turned out for her campaign. I'm very grateful for the support of the people in Southeast Alaska and across the state who've put their faith in me to uh, finish out Congressman Young's term. Um, Very big shoes to fill, and I'm very honored to have this um, role for the next few months. I'm very, I'm looking forward to getting uh, staff and an office and working on constituent services. I'm looking forward to reaching out to Senators Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan and um, making sure that um, as a team we're, we're moving it together. And um, I just am very, very grateful and also resolved to continue the forward momentum that we've been building to uh, finish strong in November and win the two-year seat. This is what she said she wants to accomplish if she wins that two-year seat. I've got to work on building relationships with other folks in Congress and um, making sure I have a good team. Um, Don Young always had a great staff and he worked really well with the other, with our senators. And I just want to make sure that I am really doing things um, in a good way and um, continuing on in in Don Young's legacy of working with everybody in Congress to accomplish Alaska's needs. Baltolo will stand for the regular general election in November. The National Weather Service is reporting that a lot of rain is heading our way. We saw some drier conditions yesterday, but today expect the heavy rain to move back in all across southeast. Yakutat will receive the bulk of the rainfall. Meteorologist Caleb Craven spoke to News of the North yesterday. We have an atmospheric river that's going to be going into the northeast Gulf Coast and particularly be pointing at Yakutat. Um, So we're going to see heavy rain moving back into the Yakutat area late tonight into Thursday. Um, It's going to push through and move through the rest of the panhandle Thursday night into Friday. And then so we're going to see widespread um, rain, and it could be heavy at times, starting Friday and going pretty much all through the weekend for the entire panhandle. Um, It's going to be, you know, consistent rain. We're going to see moderate to heavy rain, kind of similar to what we've seen with these past few systems. Um, Looking over the whole event, you know, we're looking at anywhere from two to seven inches with uh, some locally higher amounts. And, And, of course, that two to seven inches, that's going to start on Thursday night, and that's totaling all the way through Sunday. Craven said we could see creeks and rivers rise throughout the weekend. With all this extra rainfall, you know, conditions are already saturated. Um, So our rivers and creeks, uh, we are expecting them to rise. Um, At this time, we're going to be monitoring the potential for any flooding that may be, uh, may become, that may uh, become an issue. Um, But that is uh, kind of the main story there. So we just, we issued there, we just warned everyone to stay up to date with the weather as we're monitoring these uh, next couple systems for the weekend. And so the city and borough of Yakutat is ready for the rain coming its way. That's according to borough manager John Erickson. Roads, however, will be affected. Yakutat is basically a glacial moraine and gravel, and the only thing heavy rain does is 
I mean, it percolates through the soil, so that's that's a good thing. But it ruins our roads because they become all potholed because all of our roads are gravel and we have to grade them, and so they get all messed up. And Eric has said it is smooth sailing at the harbor right now. The people in our harbor, they monitor NOAA pretty uh, extensively, the NOAA weather forecast, and they're always keeping that in mind. Uh, it's, it's pretty nice right now, so I think a lot of them are... I, I don't see many people pulled into the bay yet. Um, last week we had a Coast Guard cutter and a couple of tenders just trying to get out of the weather, but they'll, they'll all be heading for harbor. Yakutat Borough Manager John Erickson. The Juneau School District is up in students when compared to last year. However, it is below their projections. Juneau School Superintendent Bridget Weiss with that word on Action Line. We are uh, slightly ahead of where we were last year. Uh, We have 10 or 20 students more uh, than we did last year. Uh, Each year through the budgeting process, the board projects enrollment. And based on that projection, of course, that's how we build our budget and allocate uh, funds and so forth. And so uh, we, compared to that projected enrollment, we're down just about 68, 70 students. Uh, So So you projected high. We projected a little high from what it ended up to be. Wise said that once the number becomes final, then the district would consider budget changes. We, first of all, continue to look. The enrollment number is not final until October, so a lot of things can shift between now and October. Uh, Once that number becomes final, then we do budget revisions and such to uh, reflect that because the predominant part of our funding is based on enrollment. Wise explained how enrollment impacts funding. We're very fortunate in Juneau that our city assembly supports our schools uh, tremendously, and that ongoing support from the city really makes a big difference for our students and our staff and our families. Um, The state funding formula uses enrollment as one of the main triggers. Again, it's fairly complex. There's a lot of different layers to it, but the main driver of that funding formula is what we call our base student allocation. So it's a dollar amount that we receive per student that we have and that's why we do that official count in October and then that number is what ultimately generates our funding for the school year. We first of all continue to look. The enrollment number is not final until October so a lot of things can shift between now and October. Uh, Once that number becomes final then we do budget revisions and such to uh, reflect that because the predominant part of our funding is based on enrollment. Juno School Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss, the Juno Huskies football squad, currently ranked number one in the state, will travel upstate to Palmer this Friday to face number two Colony. Head coach Rich Soros spoke to News of the North this week about what his team is looking forward to. He said this of how the team is feeling. Oh, I feel great. You know, I think they're excited to to go on the road into a you know tough atmosphere against a really good team and just kind of see where we're at for the middle part of the year. Everybody knows that, you know, to get through this thing at the end, you're, you're going to play some of these teams again. So you got to, you know, take that first matchup and just play your best game and focus on yourselves and, and, and as well as study your opponent, things like that. But I think ultimately it comes down to how you are playing as a team and build on it from there. On the offensive side of the ball, Soros said this. Jarrell Williams, you know, he's been a, a real 
spark for us uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, he's a returning all state defensive back and he's, you know, been uh, just lights out on that side of the ball, but uh, offensively he's really taken the reins and uh, you know, had a big, you know, he can run, he can throw, makes good decisions, keeps plays alive. And I expect him just to kind of, you know, thrive in that atmosphere and take on the challenge. And, you know, the more noise for him, the probably the more excited he'll get. He also said his defense is outperforming all expectations. Our defense, you know, best performance I'd ever seen uh, last Saturday from any game. It was just a phenomenal effort, those guys as a group. And and it starts with those four guys up front, you know, Sam Sika and Hunter Durr and Sage Richards and Eric Tipton all did a, just a great job pressuring the quarterback, you know, staying in their lanes, you know, keeping them under control. And then you got Jamal Johnson and Lucas White really patrolling the middle there at linebacker. And, and they've got to be up in the state leaders and tackles have been great. And then on the back end, of course, you got Jamal or I mean, uh, Jarrell Williams and uh, Jaden Johnson. And then uh, Quincy Malakas and, and Chris Harris, those two guys are playing safeties for us, and they're doing a great job of, uh, you know, keeping guys from getting behind them and yet coming down, making tackles. And so just as a group of 11, those guys uh, just doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And so Rose said the biggest challenge this season, and one that is being realized, is the work of the underclassmen. It's a savvy veteran group of seniors, so I don't think that was really – they were going to gel. I mean, they've been playing together since they were little kids, and so that piece was kind of – easy. I think the challenge has been to get that depth built in behind that senior group. And we're starting to see some of that with guys like Quincy and DeAndre Pittman and Eric Tipton and, and Silver Montez. I mean, there's just some guys that are starting to take on a little bigger roles and understanding, okay, hey, I need to really, you know, not wait till I'm a senior to shine. Let's get, let's get it going now and get some depth. And I think that's, you know, that's going to be good for us as we get into the second half of the season and the playoffs. You just, you just need more than your front group. And I think we're starting to develop some of that. The game will be broadcasted live Friday night on 800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY. Police in Ketchikan released details yesterday regarding the arrest of a resident on a number of drug charges after meth and heroin were allegedly found in an intercepted package bound for the community. On Monday, the Ketchikan Police Department, in conjunction with CCAD, concluded an investigation into the importation and distribution of narcotics into Ketchikan. A shipment was identified by investigators bound for Ketchikan. 40-year-old Larry Marsden of Ketchikan was contacted after he took possession of the shipment at a Bear Valley residence. Seized from the parcel was about 444 grams of meth and 501 grams of heroin, according to police. Marsden and his belongings were searched in furtherance of the investigation, and an additional 23 grams of meth, 33 grams of heroin, 133 grams of fentanyl, and $13,000 cash were seized. Marsden was placed under arrest for misconduct involving a controlled substance in the second and third degrees. He was transported to the Ketchikan Correctional Center, where he was booked and held without bail. Representative Christopher Kirka could advance as the fourth candidate for governor if Charlie Pierce were to withdraw by early next week. Pierce, who resigned as Kenai Peninsula Borough Mayor this week to focus on the governor's race, has been dogged in recent days by allegations of harassment in his office. In an email to News of the North from the Divisions of Elections Director Gail Fanumiai, she outlined the process by which Kirka would advance to the number four spot on the ranked choice voting ballot. Details online at kinmyradio.com. Governor Mike Dunleavy has announced two leadership changes at the Department of Public Safety. 
Alaska State Trooper Colonel Brian Barlow has been promoted to Deputy Commissioner for the department, and Captain Maurice Mo Hughes has been promoted to Colonel of the Alaska State Troopers. Governor Dunleavy made remarks about the announcement yesterday. Public safety is uh, a number one priority for this administration, uh, has been and will be. And as we look out to the future, we've got to build a state not just for tomorrow based upon uh, uh, the way we did things two years ago or five years ago, but based on what the state may look like in 50 years. So this is one of the reasons why um, we're going to beef up housing, for example, in rural Alaska, professional housing, so we can house not just our uh, DPS folks, but uh, work with uh, uh, school districts as well in educational housing, other professional housing uh, that uh, is in short supply in rural Alaska. The Village Public Safety Officer Program and work with the courts are a priority, the governor said. As you know, we're also beefing up our VPS pro uh, programs for rural Alaska as well. We'll continue to do that. And um, our uh, trooper numbers um, will also continue to be beefed up. We're going to continue to work uh, to make sure that our prosecuting attorneys have the folks they need to prosecute. And we'll continue discussions with the court systems so that we can have as close as possible uh, working uh, situation with uh, the three branches of government. Deputy Commissioner Leon Morgan has announced his retirement from state service after over 25 years of law enforcement service in Alaska. With this week's signing of a bill by the governor to support the meat industry in the state, Dave Steeren, a spokesperson for the governor, weighed in on the importance of the bill. He says there are a number of projects around the state, including some in southeast, to make Alaska more food independent. The state of Alaska is at the mercy of market forces, uh, especially in regards to our food supply chain. We, we have a, I, I'd say, and I'm not disparaging farmers, but I think we have a, a huge to moderately productive farming industry. You can go to grocery stores around the state and get Alaska potatoes, uh, onions, carrots, uh, and, and those are nice. Uh, of course, we have... Uh, the, the growing mariculture industry in southeast with, with a lot of promise for, for kelp and seaweed, both as a food product and, and medical products. Uh, but they're, they're all in the early neophyte stages. If you go up to Delta Junction, the barley farms up there, as well as some minor livestock uh, ranching, it's all very new or, or very uh, low in scope. Steeren added that federal regulations sometimes stand in the way of development of food sources. Chicken ranching, uh, I believe there is a cap of about, you can slaughter 6,500 chickens in a year uh, without the feds having to inspect a chicken that a state inspector could certify. So we, we have all of these, all of these almost and somewhat rules and restrictions and regulations that, that really aren't conducive to expanding and solidifying uh, your, your food and agribusiness security. Governor spokesperson Dave Steeren. The FDA yesterday announcing it's approved a so-called bivalent booster shot to target both the original strain of COVID and the two most recent and contagious variants, BA4 and BA5. The CDC now needs to sign off, which they are expected to do in short order. ABC's Real Reshef tells us this bivalent booster represents a significant shift in COVID vaccines. 
Officials are saying that this is the first major update to the COVID-19 shot, and they're really hoping that instead of having to get these boosters every couple of months, that they would become more like the flu shot model where we would get them seasonally. But in the meantime, they're hoping enough people would get boosted to stave off a false surge. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.